0: Welcome back, Zero to Sixty. Bree Mastis, Matt Mcchesney. Uh, Matt, I got to ask you real quickly before we get started in the top yeah. six for today. Did you see the possum for the, the TCU game? You're,
1: you're damn right. I saw the possum, and, <laughs> and you know what? They should have let him run. I'm I'm mad at him for putting, locking him down, but I'm proud of him for fighting back. He was cloned. They would not let him pull him out of there. That little possum's got some fights.
0: Honestly, the possum being dragged off of the end zone was me. Anytime there's a concert, it ends. There's no encore and the security is trying to pull me off the floor. Uh, I, it felt very akin to a lot of my situations when I'm watching some live music. So I'm I appreciate the
1: possum. Awesome. possum was rolling.
0: <laughs> uh, he was having a good time. And honestly, they should adopt him as the mascot and roll him out there every single week. Uh, Also, I don't know if you're familiar with the Simpsons, but there's an episode in which Homer is on the I think it's the train or the monorail and they find the possum family in the closet and he names the big one bitey. And honestly, last night was just one of the best moments in sports for me. I do appreciate when animals run across the field, but I'm always a little bit sad when they have to catch like a feral cat or a possum for this matter. Uh, but it was almost a year to the date in which a decade ago, there was a fox on TCU's uh, field as well. So maybe the animal spirits, the omens are there. Uh, couldn't tell you the end of the game. I didn't watch it. All I was there for was for the wildlife showing.
1: Yeah, the the possum was probably more interesting than the game, to be completely honest with you, because tech and TCU are both struggling.
0: Goodness. Okay. Well, I mean, that's a good segue uh, to get into. We'll do college football first. Uh, I just want to get into the matchups for the week and we'll talk some Thursday night football as well. But Matt, I'm going to give you one of my top college matchups for uh, this week. I'm going to go number 13, LSU at number eight, Alabama, because Alabama looks like they're going to lock up the SEC West with a win here. LSU's inconsistent defensive front leaves a lot of room for a big run game. But I think uh, there should be. Some trepidation there as Andre Sam will be lurking in the secondary. As always, this is gonna be a must watch for college football fans, but is there a possibility you think this game could be a snooze fest if both teams find themselves in much of a uh like a defensive grind?
1: Well, yeah, these two hate each other. I mean, there's a huge rivalry here. This is usually for the division, and once again it is. Uh the winner of this game is going to play the winner of the Georgia Missouri game, I'd imagine, out of the East. So you know, this Alabama team is, I think they're good. They're not great. Their are quarterbacks average. Um, but they do have NFL players all over the field, and so does LSU. And LSU has Jaden Daniels, and they've lost a couple of games, but they also have won some games. So LSU is going to go in there with the mindset that the playoffs out, but they could just spoil the party and keep the entire SEC out of the playoffs if they can beat Alabama and figure out a way to get to the SEC title game and beat one of the two teams, the winner of Missouri or Georgia, you know, they're not letting a two-loss team into the college football playoff this year. I I don't care. So LSU is trying to spoil a party, and Alabama is trying to have one. So I I like Alabama in the game because they're in Tuscaloosa, uh, and I think LSU does have holes defensively that Alabama will take advantage of up front for sure, so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a pick for top college football or a game to watch?
1: But it would be Georgia-Missouri for me. Uh, I mean, look, that's the other side of the SEC, and Missouri has built their squad through recruiting, the transfer portal. They've done a great job. Uh, They are real. The cook cook kid at quarterback will be a a big-time draft pick coming up in the next couple of drafts. Um, But going to Athens is different i've been to a game in athens before and it is it's insane and they're back-to-back national champions and a lot of people are discrediting georgia like they're just there like you know they're good but we'll see and uh i would imagine if i had to guess missouri's gonna walk into just an absolute hornet's nest and probably get the shit kicked out of them by georgia if i had to guess um but I would like to see Missouri go play well. Like, it'd be pretty cool to see a, a huge upset and kind of a, a changing of the guard in the SEC East. They've got the better quarterback, and sometimes that works. But Georgia's defense is loaded with first-round talent again, and I'd imagine they're going to get after Missouri pretty hard. So it's probably going to be Georgia-Alabama for the SEC title, and these two games determine that.
0: They do. The Bulldogs are seventh in scoring defense and sixth in points per game. Georgia, with a win here, can make a case for number one in the uh, college football uh, rankings. Uh, do you think they they pull it off?
1: Uh, they, I mean, they should be number one. I understand that it's year by year, but they're back-to-back defending national champs and haven't lost in two years. And the fact that they put Ohio State before them and Georgia beat Ohio State last year in the playoff it just, it it's like it wraps up into, as we close college football here, it wraps up into like the whole, you know, rea- reality show that is college football. Michigan Michigan's getting yelled at by the entire world, but Ohio State's number one, but Georgia's the back-to-back national champions. They're number two. It gives them something to bitch about. Florida State's undefeated at number three. It's a quality program. They're perfectly content with that. There's just drama everywhere, and the media fuels it, and that's what sells tickets, so fuel that let's go burn some let's burn some logs
0: and some logs. Got it. Uh, My second game is going to be Kansas State at uh, at number six, Texas. It's the big new matchup this weekend. So Kansas State number six, the the big 12 race is wide open. The Longhorns obviously continue their dominance last week, but the Wildcats also impressed with a shutout against Houston for their third consecutive double digit win. Who do you think takes this game? Because I'm not sure that you're not going to see a lot of uh, uh, at least a little bit of motivation to win here.
1: Look, I think Kansas State's going to go to Austin and win, and they're they're underdogs, obviously, but sleep on Kansas State and you get beat constantly. And they are scared of no one. That's a great football program. I was raving about them yesterday on DNVR Buffs. I was raving about them yesterday with Ryan Koningsberg on, on our show. I mean, it's they're just a great program, and this is the last time they get Texas. And Texas and Kansas State have had some battles. And they've been rivals for a long time. And Texas hates playing this football team. So I I want Kansas State to go win. And I hope Kansas State wins. I am not a fan of Texas. In fact, I despise them. So I, uh, yeah, that's the future rival for the Colorado Buffaloes, in my opinion, too. So I want them at the top of their game. And they're defending Big 12 champs. So I'll take Kansas State at UT. Just I hope. Probably won't happen, but I hope.
0: <laughs> Any other matchups that you're looking forward to?
1: Uh, the other one that I like is Washington at USC. I don't I don't know how USC continues to hang around the top twenty-five. I don't think they're very good. But Washington has the Heisman winner in Penix Jr. And, you know, the, their offensive line is fortified with dungeon family guys. Roger Rosengarten's a valor kid. He's a right tackle and probably a first rounder, judging by the 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 film that I've been seeing. And then okay. Zach Henning from Grandview is another one of their guards, and Klain is a freshman and I'm just partial to Washington getting to the playoffs. So I'm going to watch this game, and I hope they should stop SC. I think that things are bad in L.A., and you're going to see Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams probably exit. And, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens in L.A. moving forward.
0: Uh, do you think that if uh, USC's Caleb Williams has another kind of down showing, the narrative will shift any fr- uh, even further, and he could fall down those boards?
1: I, I mean – I think he's still going to be probably a top three pick, but you can't sit here and say that he he hasn't screwed up the bona fide number one pick thing. Because even even Penix Jr., I know he's a lefty, and it kind of looks a little awkward, but that ball comes out like Michael Vick's throwing it. And this, I mean, go out and just dominate Caleb Williams in this game, and that says something to NFL GMs. So, look, GMs have a hard job anyway. And this next year, if you have to pick between Drake May, who looks like he was made in the lab, and Caleb Williams, who is just a freak on all levels and can seems like he can do anything, and then Penix Jr. and Bo Nix. I mean, there's dudes everywhere that, that can play quarterback, which is good for the league because it is the quarterback position in the NFL right now is terrible.
0: It is terrible, but a lot of quarterbacks are getting their start. I want to talk about potential first-rounder Will Levis, who eventually fell down those boards, uh, has gotten his start here in the NFL and in back-to-back weeks, the Titans versus the Steelers for Thursday night football. Kenny Pickett was dealing uh, with a much of a rib injury last week, got the start on Thursday. Will, Liv- Will Levis was back at the helm for the Titans. The Steelers are now second in the AFC West. And honestly, the Titans are on a four-straight road-loss slide. Are both quarterbacks? Proving themselves at this point in
1: the season? I think the Pittsburgh kind of won in spite of Kenny Pickett. Uh, and I think Levis kind of gave Tennessee a, a chance to win. Uh, a 20 to 16 game. Tennessee had the ball late to finish. Um look, Tennessee, the stat I saw last night was insane. Like 91 players in two years and 40 guys on IR or something. That is nuts. Um Mike Vrabel's not the problem. If Mike Vrabel gets fired, he's gonna get hired by somebody immediately just to go somewhere else and turn their franchise around. The the GM seems to be the problem, the guy who just traded AJ Brown and traded Bird and like just keeps trading everybody. I mean, if I'm Mike Vrabel, I might want them to fire me so I can go somewhere else at this point. Um that said, Tennessee is still a smash mouth football team that's gonna play hard. They fall to, I think they're they're 3-5 now. Pittsburgh imp- improves. Their defense is going to carry them. Kenny Pickett made some throws, but he also, I mean, for God's sake, he made some terrible throws, too. So, it, it, look, Pittsburgh, I think Pittsburgh and San Francisco are two teams that are just a quarterback away. If, if Kenny Pickett can figure out how to actually play quarterback in this league and be consistent, he's got targets. He's got weapons. Johnson's good. Pickens' good. I mean, they got dudes everywhere, so – Again, if his little hands and little tiny hand Kenny Pickett can go do something uh, productive, they might be able to to maybe win a playoff game because they're pretty good, man. The, the AFC North is stacked.
0: It is. And up next for the Steelers, they have the Packers, Browns, Bengals, Cardinals. Do you think they can continue the momentum here uh, with Kenny Pickett at the helm?
1: I mean, yeah, you, you try to go 4-0 and in that stretch, at least 3-1. and you know, Cincinnati's a good team. That's a toss-up. But the other three are very winnable. So, it's just Mike Tomlin, man. He's never had a losing record. And Pittsburgh Pittsburgh has had four head coaches in their entire franchise's history. And the Raiders have had four head coaches in two years. So, <laughs> shit's crazy out there.
0: We know that Pittsburgh has been, uh, I guess, in poor uh, spirits over the Kenny Pickett Uh, quarterbacking, but I think that he's honestly showing something here. The next four games, if you look at the NFL season in quarters, uh, are going to be pretty important for what shakes out here. But Hall of Fame coach Mike Tomlin uh, seems to have a pretty good grasp on what's going on. I'm glad that he was able to give uh, Pickett that start there because it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. They're now second uh, uh, in in their division. So I want to know where they want to go. I'm not a big Steelers fan, but I respect their coach so much for what he's been able to do. And let's get into the NFL news for week nine, Uh, the schedules, the standings. I want to open up with Kansas City versus Miami. They're the international game this week. They're going to be in Germany. You spent some time in Germany. We talked about that earlier this week. Uh, But how exciting is this game? Mike McDaniel had a preference press conference earlier this week, walked out on stage with his typical dry humor saying, I know I'm a lot larger in person, uh, which was met with absolute crickets from the media there, um, which was hilarious to me because it's still funny. Uh, If you respect who Mike McDaniel is as a person, what are you looking forward to from this game? I think, uh, I think Hill is probably going to have um, a a big game here, but I want to know what you think. Kansas city's uh, offense has been, not suffering but it really has been on a downtrend so i'm interested to see how this matchup shakes out
1: yeah i'm gonna take miami in this one i just think tyree kill is going to be on a mission to make a point like it's the first time they played frankfurt this that place is going to be rocking I mean, I, i'd imagine they're playing at the same place i played at when i was with the galaxy and it was crazy it was packed every week they love their foot their football there i mean at down the road, I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL tries to do something again uh, in Germany permanently rather than just playing games there. But this is a hell of a game for the international game. I mean, if you're in Europe or whatever, and you want to see good football, you're looking. This is a playoff game like this could easily be the AFC title game for for all we know. So, you know, th- that's the importance of this game as well Is does Miami want to go to Arrowhead in January? No, does Does Kansas City want to go to Miami in January? No, I mean, they will, but still it's going to be a good home field advantage for the Dolphins. So this is as big as it gets uh, for a regular season game, and I just don't see Kansas City being able to cover Tyreek Hill. Now, that said, every time I seem to pick against Kansas City, with the exception of last week, they just make me look stupid and lose money betting. So I – They'll probably make me look stupid and lose. My, they've lost, you know. They've lost a, a couple of games, and last week they got physically dominated. And they are the Super Bowl defending champions. So I, I think that Andy Reid will have them right. But I do like Miami in this game.
0: That's very who good. Do think, uh, who do you like? I'm going to pick the dolphins every single time. I can't root for Kansas city. I don't even think they're the better team here, specifically at this point in the season. I know they're defending champs. I know what they've done, but honestly, following the Broncos kind of changes a lot. I don't think you want to prove yourself at that point. You're not coming off just a hard loss. You're coming off a hard loss where you didn't score any touchdowns. Uh, To me, that's kind of spelling a disaster here. I, I, I don't know if Travis Kelsey is at the point in which he was last year on Let's Talk Broncos. We were all. Nope. Last year for the. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, Matt last year. For Let's Talk Broncos, we were predicting that Kansas City was going to see a fall off of Travis Kelsey. Uh, it didn't happen last season. In fact, it made us all look very silly. But now I think we're seeing a little more positive that the idea could be that Travis Kelsey is slowing down and it is not the threat that he is at tight end, at least for the time being. I know the minute I say that, he's going to bounce back and he's going to prove us all wrong and Kansas City can make a run at the Super Bowl. But I'm really hoping not because I can't stand him. Um, <laughs> you mentioned Cincinnati. I'm going to move on as quickly as possible so you can't get a word in it. But the Bengals and Bills are going to be facing off on Sunday. It's in Cincinnati. Then obviously the Broncos are in Buffalo uh, for the following game for week 10. Joe Burrow and the Bengals have been able to turn around what they thought was going to be a down season. Joe Burrow wasn't looking great. He was obviously injured, and now it looks like he's feeling more like himself. Who do you have in this game? Because Josh Allen it, it waffles through a very roller coaster identity of good quarterback, bad quarterback, system quarterback. Uh, it's the team around him. No, no, it's Josh Allen carrying the Buffalo Bills. How do you feel about the Bills-Bengals matchup, and who do you think wins that one?
1: Um, well, remember the last time these two teams played in primetime, uh, you know, in the regular season, it was the the Hamlin game. So that I'm I'm eager to watch it. I mean, look, not only do you get to scout then, and, and the I guarantee you, every Bronco is going to be glued to the TV, and every Bronco fan will be too to see how Buffalo plays on the road at Cincinnati before again hosting Monday Night Football next week with Denver going to Buffalo. So this is back to back showcase games for the Bills, and to think that they're going to lose back-to-back showcase games I I don't I don't see that. So as a, you know, a Broncos supporter here, I would like to see Buffalo go to Cincinnati and win this game and have some success. So they're riding high and feeling good about themselves, not all pissed off going into a long week against the Broncos. Now that said, the Broncos are coming off a bye. Sean Payton off a bye is good. Um so, look, Buffalo has a ton to prove, man. They, I think the Bills are, once again, missing their window. Like, you know, when, you, when you're up in the AFC title game on the road in Kansas City and they beat you, you know, with crazy-ass plays and then in overtime, that's a missed window, you know, and then you, you miss an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. So, that franchise knows everything about missing windows. I mean, that's their M.O., they did it four years straight, and now they're doing it again. Um, they're just good enough to get into the playoffs, but not good enough to win anything at this point. So, what really needs to happen for Buffalo to pull out of this is what Cincinnati has, and Cincinnati can rush the passer and really get after you on defense. And Buffalo is even with Von Miller. You know, maybe Von's old at this point, and I hate to say that, but he doesn't seem like the dynamic player he's been. He's coming off injury. And they really need to pick it up in Buffalo, rushing the passer. Floyd's okay, but they, they've they got some holes on defense, and they seem to get it taken to them a lot. So I'll, I'll take Buffalo on the road in this game. Uh, just a feeling I have, but Cincinnati's pretty good, and they're playing pretty well.
0: I kind of need uh, Cincinnati to perform here. I need Joe Burrow to get it together. But you made an interesting comment about – Josh Allen, the Bills, that window, it seemed for the last three seasons that uh, a lot of NFL uh, fans in general have said, this is the Bills year. That right. time is running out. How much of that falls on the quarterback specifically when everything around him seems to be working quite well? You And you also mentioned an, an aging Von Miller. I'm going to give him a little bit of grace here as he returns from injury. It's kind of still miraculous that he's able to come back from that. Uh, obviously had to do a lot of work to slim down and get back to the playing weight and uh, rehab a, a pretty significant injury. So I know having a down on the defense specifically in pass rush is going to affect your team, but Josh Allen has just typically not been able to get it done. Um, do you feel that's a fair wrap up there?
1: Um. I mean, if you look at the other young, you know, guys in, in the AFC, I mean, Tua is a little bit younger than him and he is playing at a really high level. Mahomes has multiple Super Bowls and MVPs. Burrow's been to a Super Bowl. Um, he hasn't. And that he needs that he needs that. He needs to at least get there. And look, I'm not saying Buffalo's not good enough to get there. They are. They they are one of the top teams in the AFC, but there's just something about this team where he either has to do everything or, you know, nothing happens. And when your offense is centered around Josh Allen doing 90% of the things, throwing the ball, running the ball, fourth downs, you know, quarterback sneaks, you can't really run the football. They don't have a back that can just go get it. There's no Thurman Thomas on that team. Um, they that that's That's a pretty easy indicator for good defenses to say, okay, Well, we're just going to go beat the shit out of Josh Allen and Buffalo will lose. And honestly, if I'm Cincinnati, that's what I'm doing to him. I'm just going to go hit him as many times as possible, even if we get a flag, which you're going to get. I mean, the personal fouls last night against the quarterback were so infuriating, maybe not want to watch the goddamn game anymore. But too bad you landed on somebody too hard. I mean, it's just, it makes me angry. Josh Allen is 6'5", 240, but we can't touch him poor guy, foo-foo football bullshit, but at the same time, you know, I'm I'm sure it'll be a competitive game, just no one hit the quarterbacks too hard, they might get hurt.
0: It's just an interesting concept to talk about Joe Burrow going down and being the necessity that the Bengals need in order to be successful, Uh, and I'm going to take a swing here right after I thank Tavon Cooper for jumping in the chat. I love the perspectives from both Matt and Bree; great analysis and breakdowns. Thanks, Tavon. I appreciate you stopping by, especially commenting and interacting with the show if you want to do so. Well, you know, jump in the chat. Uh but I was gonna take a dig because the idea was is that the Jets are a contender if only they had a quarterback. If Aaron Rodgers were to come back in time Does that prove that uh, he's just not able to lead the the team to a championship run? Um, It's an interesting concept. I don't want you to answer just now. I want you to think about it a little bit because we still have NFL games to break down. That brings me to the Jets versus the Chargers, which is the Monday night football game. I can see you shaking your head. I don't really care. But let's talk about that game in specific. The Chargers... Not really uh, active right now. Not a whole lot of information coming out of there. Uh, I don't follow the Chargers very closely because they don't scare me here in the AFC West. But as a Broncos fan, I know that's throwing uh, at rocks at glass houses or whatever the saying is. Uh, who do you think wins this game, Jets or Chargers?
1: Look, the Chargers charge a lot. They they did win on Sunday Night Football. Great game, by the way, on Sunday Night. Chicago at L.A., just that's scheduling—it's almost as good as this week's Thursday. Carolina at Chicago. Wow, what a game! Um, look, the the Jets going to the Chargers on Monday Night Football is—it'll be a good home game for the Jets because there's a lot of New York Jet fans in LA because it's transplant city. So people will show out to support. It'll you know it'll be half and half, but. I just I can't take Wilson over Herbert even though the defense for the Jets is so good. The Chargers offense has some pieces. They're going to score 14 points, you know, 17 points something like that. I'll take the under in the game whatever it is, but it's all on the defense and if the Jets want to be a a all-time great defense and win playing defense and then the you know, it doesn't matter like the Ravens in 2001 with Tony Banks and Trent Dilfer and Elvis Gerback and shit. So like, or no, Elvis came the next year. There was just Trent and Tony, and those two are awful. So they're way worse than Wilson. So I just, I think that if you want to be an all-time great defense, the Jets have the chance to prove it. But, man, that's a hard ask. And, uh, unfortunately, I, this is probably a, a game that the Jets will drop, but I'd love for them to win, obviously. I'm obviously going for my Jets, but, unfortunately, I think the Chargers will probably take this at home. It's It'll be a tough game.
0: Justin Herbert's too inconsistent here. And honestly, for the first time that you're ever going to hear, I'm picking the jets to win over the chargers. I think it's going to be by at least, I think it's going to be a, by at least. uh, Yeah. I, It's going to be at least a touchdown. Uh, Why is because of the defense. The defense has been consistent. Justin Herbert and the Chargers have been fairly inconsistent. And I'm honestly going to put a lot of stock in what Zach Wilson is building there with the Jets. I just think the consistency is important. I think that they have a good chance here. There's a lot of talk of whether or not they're making an actual run at the playoffs. I'm going to hold... Your horse is here, and I'm not going to go in down that rabbit hole just yet. But I do think the Jets beat the Chargers here, and I, I think they're just the better team. They're the more consistent team.
1: Well, I think I might have to change my mind and go with you if you're taking them. I can't take the Chargers. <laughs> Fuck you the have Chargers. To. Yeah,
0: no, we already listed. I've already tallied it, and uh, I've got the Matt's picks right here. He picked the Chargers to win over the Jets, and I'm tweeting it out to everyone who's watching.
1: Well, I also took the Jets, so let's go. Go Jets. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Air Teeth just said, Bree just committed a narrative blasphemy, telling the obvious truth about Herbert. Honestly, I'm here to tell a little bit of truth here on the zero to 60 pod. That's what you get here. And if you're new and you're not already subscribed, you need to go ahead and do that. Also like the stream. It helps us out. It makes me cry less later on. Uh, we got the buffs versus the Beavers, but I want to first talk about the Broncos versus the bye with a little bit of the time that we have left. How do the Broncos win the bye week? You ask, I'm not quite sure you got 10 days off. You're traveling to Buffalo. What exactly do you need to do at this point in order to be successful? You didn't trade anybody. Uh, Adam Schefter coming, I believe is Adam Schefter coming out and saying the Broncos were offered a third and a fifth rounder for Jerry Judy. Matt, uh, I wouldn't, I, you know, if Kansas city won. Last week, I think the Broncos make a couple of moves. I don't know why that doesn't logically make sense to me. I don't think beating Kansas City on a lucky strike, although it was convincing, don't get me wrong. I just don't think one win is a streak. I don't think you're really proving anything at that point, but I'm not sad that they didn't move on. I wanted them to stand pat. I thought they would stand pat, and they ended up doing so. Did the Broncos make a mistake not getting a third and fifth rounder?
1: Look, Jerry Judy's having a hell of a year. He's gotten a lot better. Um, maybe this is writing on the wall that they do want to try and extend him, but that that's why I would trade him, because I don't think they will extend him. I, I think they'll let him go to free agency. So if you're going to let him go to free agency, a third and a fifth—that's two. That's two potential draft picks. That's good. You can package those and move up. And like, that's that's heavy collateral in, in the NFL. You know, Chase Young went for a third, so. I would I would have been pulling that trigger and honestly it, it makes me question like who's in charge like is Sean Payton in charge? George Payton in charge? Like who made that who made the decision not to take multiple draft picks for a guy that we're probably not going to re-sign even if he is having a great year. So, if Sean Payton's making the decisions, I'm going to think that they think they have a chance to make a run and they're going to run with the team they got and deal with the offseason in the offseason, which is fine. If George Payton is making the decisions, I think that he thinks well, if Jerry Judy has a solid year. We'll just re-sign him and keep him in Denver. And honestly, that would be the best route. I don't want to go invest more capital in the wide receiver position. I mean, it'd be nice to like re-sign a draft pick. That'd be cool. I I don't want the I don't want the kid to leave. I want the kid to mature and be a great wide receiver that was drafted in the first round. That's what I want. So, if he's going to do that, and he's going to be consistent. And hopefully that's what the team saw. If they're not willing to give him up for two draft picks, then they must think they've got something. And if if they finish strong and he's one of the reasons and him and Russ have camaraderie and Cortland and him can really play together and that's the key is they're not very good together on the field, although they have been recently. If all that can come together, then yeah, re-sign him and move forward and we're good. But if they don't make the playoffs or they they're not in contention like in the middle of December, I mean, this is going to be like, well, why didn't we get draft picks for this guy? Because he's not going to be coming back anyway. So that's a pretty sharp double-edged sword right there for the franchise.
0: It is, and I hate to move on, but there is sort of news that I didn't catch to start the show, uh, which honestly, we probably should have been talking about the entire time. Uh, I'm going to throw it out to you, and I want to give shouts out to Hexted, who went ahead and asked the question that made me panic here in the background of the show to find out just exactly what he was talking about. From Brett McMurphy over at Action Network Headquarters, Colorado Quality Control Analyst Pat Shermer will take over play-calling duties for Sean Lewis versus Oregon State. What? I just didn't know. Uh Deion Sanders must elevate Shermer from an analyst to a full time coach to be eligible to coach. Lewis will still signal the plays in, but it's unknown which assistant will be demoted to make room for Shermer's promotion. Shermer was an NFL offensive coordinator with four teams, obviously, uh, for the Denver Broncos. And a lot of people are asking for your comments right now. I want you to go ahead and uh, uh, add. Give me a a general idea of how you're feeling about this. I'm caught off guard guys. I try not to be on Twitter when I'm on this show, I get very distracted and it looks like things are happening. Tavon looks excited. I think what changes does this incorporate? And honestly, I'm a fan of Lewis and his decision-making. So I want to know why you think they're going with Shermer against Oregon state specifically.
1: Um. Look, I'm a fan of Lewis as well. I think he's a great coach. Uh, he was a great head coach at Kent State. Bringing him in was a good idea. He's done good work with Shador. But last week was a train wreck offensively. And Shador even played well, and it was a train wreck. So, look, Pat Schumer is going to bring – I guarantee you Pat's sitting in the back going, I know how to fix some of these problems, and they're not getting fixed. I was on DMVR Buffs yesterday talking about this – in, in, at length and in depth. We posted a couple videos about it, but the the protection issues. Pat Schumer knows professional protection. Not saying Coach O'Boyle doesn't and Coach Lewis doesn't, but they didn't adjust at halftime. So they didn't adjust to the radar looks. They didn't adjust to full turns. They didn't adjust to squeeze gaps. They couldn't shell penetrators. And that goes on the offensive line coach, but it also goes on the offensive coordinator and the scheme and what they're doing. So this tells me that this didn't just happen today. This is happening. He's announcing it the day before they place Oregon State. If I'm Oregon State, knowing that coaching staff up there the way I do, because we talk constantly, they just bought body bags, by the way, six zero equipment.com. Um, that they are going to be sitting there going, Oh my god, we're about to get TCU'd because we don't know what they're gonna run. I would bet that they've had a new offensive system in all week. I wouldn't be surprised if Shador's under center. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a fullback on the field, multiple tight ends, like professional, professional pass protection, not just, you know, trying to like one of the things that I noticed the more I watch the UCLA tape is they're running play action looks out of the shotgun, but they can't run the football, which takes away from the Bite of the second level to the line of scrimmage, which opens up the play action holes, and the offensive line is almost like run blocking, trying to pass block to give the sense that they're going after the defenders, and the defenders aren't reading the keys because they know we can't run the ball. So that is wasted motion and wasted movement and wasted time that Pat Schumer is probably going to cut out completely. I would guess the pocket's going to move. I would see multiple screens. I think Shador's the kind of guy where you could put a new system in in two days and he'd be able to pick it up because he is, I mean, that kid is lightning fast when it comes to decision-making. If you protect two, he's going to chop you up. If the, This is a move to get a professional system in place to protect the quarterback that is a first-round draft pick. I personally love it. I love it. This is leadership, damn it. This is goddamn leadership. This is Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, saying, look, we have a problem, and I don't give a shit about egos. I don't care about your feelings. And if Shador was struggling, I he would get benched. That's the way Coach Prime rolls. The offensive coordinator struggling. We're not making good play calls. We're getting inside the red zone. We can't score. They were plus four on the road against UCLA and did not win the game. That's plus four means they had four turnovers to zero turnovers and didn't win. In no time in my whole life playing football have we been plus four and we didn't beat the shit out of the people that we were playing. You're plus four, you should win by three touchdowns. So all of that comes into the fact that they can't pass protect because if you can't run the ball and you can't pass protect, but you have a quarterback that's puts you in position to be four and four at this point and, and leading the country in passing. Can you imagine what we could do if we could just simply run the football like a professional team runs the ball for three and a half to four yards a clip, which is vertical, not lateral zone read bullshit with a quarterback who can't run the zone read and doesn't want to, because he's a pocket passer. He emulates Tom Brady. You need to give him a Tom Brady type offense, And look, this just makes me even more fucking bullish on the bus this weekend because Oregon State is not going to know what is coming. This is Pat Schumer. They're going to what? They're going to go study Pat Schumer's offensive coordinating tape from the Broncos fucking three years ago and be like, oh, this is what they're going to do Saturday night. Look, Oregon State, we got you right where we want you, dog. Lock the gates on these fucking people. Pat Schumer, let's see what you got. As long as we're not practicing goddamn incompletions, I think that we might have a chance to actually do something here. For real, Shador Sanders is a professional quarterback. Like, you need to put him in a professional system. And the fact that Coach Prime is so bullish about, like, making decisions and doing, he is not a, oh, my God, what are people going to think about it? Or what are people going to say about it? Oh, my God, they might get offended. He just does. And whatever your opinion of it is, it don't mean shit. And i that's the way I operate, man, and I love that shit. I love it. This is fucking leadership, and this is why he's him period
0: did you just mic a drop mic drop on me bill porterfield said the standard is the standard something had to change and it's not going to it's, it's just not so doing funny. nothing doing something obviously uh i knew you'd be excited about that as soon as i started reading it I had to read it here on air but it proves exactly what your point is: is that Deion Sanders is not, or Coach Prime is not afraid to make those changes, and he's made the decision. And it didn't take uh, till the end of the season to do so. And it wasn't, oh, we'll just ride it out for the rest of the time and make changes next season. It was, what do we do now to yeah. improve, to get better, to not drop more games, to not go in and just say, well, it is what it is, because I freaking hate that saying. And uh, I the changes. The changes have been made. We'll see how they pan out for Colorado. I like what you said though, you're even more bullish on the Buffaloes now winning. Do you think that there is a consideration that you trust the process as a player? Have you ever had a uh, interim coach have to come in or something very significant happen like this? Because to me, in my brain, it elicits an adverse reaction. There's a little bit of risk associated, but they've probably been practicing with Shermer at the helm for quite some time. Like you said, it's not like they made the decision today. They're just announcing it today. But uh, do you think there's a comfortability in the offense now that these players know that there was a decision made to improve them to protect them? Most importantly, as players, Uh, does it, is it a mindset shift shift at this point?
1: Well, look, I'm, We'll put this to bed on this. And, look, we have Lawrence Vickers on the 2 p.m. show today, the great Lawrence Vickers, the CU fullback, NFL uh, fullback. Uh, and we'll elaborate on all this because I want to get his perspective being in so many offensive systems in the NFL and whatnot. But Bree brings up a great point here, and that is the the comfortable aspect of this and also the, like, anxiety of change. I think the anxiety of change would be gone because this is we'll probably be welcomed like a different way to do things to better fit our personnel. I think that Coach Lewis's system worked really well at the beginning of the season when people were trying to figure us out. You know, it obviously worked against USC when they made the comeback. Uh, they made some changes at halftime that facilitated that comeback. But when they refused to make changes at halftime against UCLA, and the, it wasn't just we, – we talked about this in the beginning of the week. That wasn't just Shador getting sacked. That was Shador getting – like, punched in the face. He got his ass kicked in that game. And that's not just his coach, that's his dad. So to think that we're not going to make changes that are based around better fitting our personnel, even if we think we can't run the football, I did watch them line up in heavy personnel against TCU and smash them in the fucking face multiple times in that game, move people and score touchdowns vertically and run the ball for over 100 yards. So I think that it's the scheme and the and the inability for the front five to block power five defensive linemen, this scheme works really good when you're in the Mac, because the Mac defensive linemen are not UCLA standard. So they're not gonna win as many one-on-ones. Like the Mac defensive linemen and the Mac offensive linemen are probably the same guys. One of them just plays defensive, one of them plays offense. The Colorado offensive linemen and the UCLA defensive linemen, or the Oregon State defensive linemen, or Oregon or SC, they are not the same. We're all equal, but we are not the fucking same. So the Power Five Division One defensive linemen and NFL defensive linemen are better athletes than offensive linemen. And I know this because I'm a power five NFL defensive lineman that got moved to offense. So I'm telling you, when you become with the same, like when I got to the NFL. The offensive linemen were as athletic as I was and as fast as I was. I had a massive advantage in college. I had no advantage in in the NFL. That's why I got moved. you got to understand that the scheme is conducive towards winning matchups outside one-on-one in a spread system. Well, now all the athletes are equal and, and your offensive line can't block the other guys when you put them one-on-one in radar situations like they did last week. So... I know this is a, you know, the the show's going a little longer than expected, but this is big time news. And I I love, love, love this move. It shows the ability to lead, not the ability to compromise. Leaders are not in the position to sit around and fucking guess and compromise and make, oh my God, how is this going to affect my employees? Or, nah, I'm a bottom line guy. Like, if it ain't working, that shit's gone. And I don't give a fuck about feelings. And Coach Sanders just pretty much said, look, This shit ain't working. It's changing right now so we can go to a bowl game and we can win some football games because our talent is not being maximized right now. It's being relied on. And damn it, that is fucking leadership. And this is why Deion Sanders is him, son. Go Buffs.
0: Uh, Sorry, I got distracted because I was trying to make sure I got the link out to everybody. There's still people joining in here, so I'm sorry that we aren't talking about this for a longer time. We were kind of sidetracked by this information uh, and and surprised by it. So if you want to continue to, to hear more of Matt talking about this, please tune in at 2 p.m. He will be doing a second show in order to talk more about what this means for the program. Additionally, give some more insight, uh, tweet at us and we'll go ahead and try to have some conversation over there. At least I will. Matt doesn't, you know, always read the replies, but I I, (laughs) I was trying to save you some grace there. I read the replies. So I'll go in there and I'll try to get a response out of him. Um, But if you need to uh, rewind back, we did talk about this for like the last 11 minutes this is big news, right? Uh, Legal side hustles, which I love that name says Matt is that guy. And on that note, I'll end it here. Subscribe, like the stream, rewind back. If you want to watch uh, the Colorado Buffaloes talk after we found out the Pat Shermer is taking over play calling duties. We got to get out of here. We've gone too long. We must leave, but tune in at 2 PM. Set uh, your reminder um, on your phone and get a notification up and we'll talk at you soon. We'll be back on Monday uh, for another episode of the top six here on zero to 60. Bree Mastis, Matt McChesney. We're out of here. Anything else, Matt?
1: Lauren Stickles, baby, this afternoon, me and LV on the show is like control chaos, two fucking pit bulls chasing a laser pointer. It's just going to be awesome. LV, Big Matt, let's fucking go. Go Buffs, baby. what
0: go, go Buffs.